Welcome to Walk the Tech Talk, a podcast with host Anna Frazetto, Chief Digital Technology Officer and President of Technology Solutions at Harvey Nash, a global professional services company. On Walk the Tech Talk, Anna interviews technology leaders from across the globe and discusses how and where they are making big impacts on their industries. As we all face unique challenges due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this episode of Walk the Tech Talk takes a decidedly different approach. Instead of discussing tech trends or IT leadership advice, Anna interviews Sean Thompson, a man of myriad talents. Not only is Sean an inspiring athlete, entrepreneur, and philanthropist, but he is also a best-selling author and keynote speaker with a focus on how we can find small ways to make a positive impact on the world we live in. Sean and Anna discuss his career as a professional surfer, how and why he created The Code, his committed and positive leadership philosophy, and how you can apply these principles to make the most out of this unexpected time. Whether you're a tech professional, Harvey Nash client or colleague, or a friend or family member, this special episode of Walk the Tech Talk will inspire and motivate you to make small changes for the greater good. Hi, everyone, and welcome to what I feel certain will be one of the most unique and important episodes of Walk the Tech Talk we've ever produced. I'm your host, Anna Frazetto, and today I'm coming to you at the peak of and inside the current epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak here in the U.S. It is a very weird thing to know you're in the midst of a historic moment in a time and place we will talk about for years to come. I know so many of you, just like me, we want to do something and to take a big, bold action. We want to be able to push the world quickly toward a better place with all our force. And yet we can't. We can only do it in small ways. That has been the really challenging part of right now. And that is why we're going to do things very differently today on the podcast. With the state of the world and the outbreak in mind, my team and I decided that we wanted to do something really positive for everyone listening. Whether you're a a tech professional or IT industry leader, a Harvey Nash client or colleague, a friend or a family member with no connection to tech at all. This episode is for you because we are not focusing on tech today. Instead, and with the guidance of a really remarkable athlete, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and best-selling writer, we're going to talk about ways to make the very most of this unexpected time. Why? Because for those of us who are not doctors, medical pros, or first responders, or workers, or operators of essential businesses, time is the resource that many of us have in abundance right now. How will we spend it? Can we emerge from it better? Can we come out the other side of this and still be ourselves? Those are the questions we're going to explore today, and we're going to explore them with someone who I think of as a worldly philosopher who is committed to putting positivity and goodness out into the world. His name is Sean Thompson, an environmentalist, businessman, successful entrepreneur, and world surfing champion. Sean inspires and motivates audiences worldwide and is the author of the best-selling book, The Surfer's Code, and creator of the children's application, Surf creatures. Sean, first I want to say welcome and thank you so much for joining us during this challenging time. I know you're very busy and working hard to help as many people as you can. It certainly was a wonderful introduction and uh, certainly can live up to it. I think one of the touching aspects of what you said is is how we can help in, in small ways because we're all in such a reactive situation at the moment and it feels like uh, we're 
under this tremendous attack and we ensconced in our little family units and what can we do to make a difference and I think we can certainly start in small ways and then uh, something else that you said I think was very pertinent and while your talk is generally focused on tech this talk won't be focused on tech but certainly this talk will be focused on tech but a different type of tech when we look at how we function as human beings we might think of our bodies as hardware and we might think of our internal processes as software as tech and today i'm certainly going to be talking about a code a code that helps us function at an optimal level as, as human beings and a code which is simply a set of values and I'm going to be describing how we can all use this code in our own small ways to impact our families firstly and ourselves and then ultimately the, the broader world. So even though my talk about might not have what one might think of as a direct inference and a connection with tech, it fundamentally is, is really what tech is all about and that is about code to make oneself and the world a better place. Sean, I can't wait to start talking about the code, but before we get there, how are you doing? You and your family are all doing well? Yes, we're all doing well. We're in our home here in Montecito in California, which is a small suburb of, of Santa Barbara, and my, my wife's a designer, so we have a, we have a lovely home, and we have a garden, so my son and I can get out in the garden and throw the frisbee around and play hide and seek and do things that you know we just haven't done. It seems like for a long time at night during dinner we break out the board games and we play Monopoly and these games that are so sort of old school that it really is just sort of a different way, and in some ways, while coronavirus has disconnected and dislocated us. It's also connected us together in, in some special ways. And I think hundreds of millions of families around the world are experiencing, yes, the bad aspect of it and the fear and the anxiety and the stress and the despair, but also they are experiencing the good aspects of it too. I couldn't agree with you more. You, you mentioned the board games, and that's so true. It's being able to sit around the table and, you know, because you get tired sometimes of turning the TV on and there's constantly breaking news as far as what's going on with the latest and greatest in the virus. So it's kind of nice to detach a little bit, but then get united with your family. So it sounds like if I was to ask you, you know, what are you doing to stay healthy, connected, and centered right now? I love what you've talked about, your gardens and uh, just playing games with the family. Yes, very much so. I think this coronavirus has really made us all, um, and you know, your listeners don't know what I do, but before this, I was a speaker at poor schools, rich schools, universities, some of the biggest corporations in the world. So I would interact with about 100,000 people in the world and through the simple process uh, called the code, I would really be able to get an insight into what people are thinking in a very non-judgmental manner. And today I've been doing the same thing just recently with live streaming and really interacting with people virtually and seeing what people are thinking about this crisis, the fear and the stress and the despair and what they're doing, all these family units around the world to combat that. And it's been so fascinating and enlightening and inspiring for me to see how people in their own ways are doing all this different stuff, but it's all the same. And we're all doing the same thing to maintain this connectivity with our family units and maintain this connectivity with our friends and maintain this connectivity with our workplace and our world. It's pretty interesting to see how the humanity is coping with this crisis. 
Right. So now now I had the chance to hear your talk on the Surfers Code and your approach to life last fall at TechServe Alliance annual conference. And I have to tell you, it impacted me so much that I actually did it as an exercise with my family over the holidays, which I believe I shared <laughs> with you. I love yes. hearing you speak about the surfing imprinting itself on you very first time you rode away. I think that idea of a moment imprinting on us is really powerful. And I also think we're in a moment like that now for all of us. So whether we like it or not, this pandemic is being imprinted on us and shaping us. You're a wonderfully positive person. What is your advice for those of us who want to make sure we endure and emerge from this with positivity and hope? Maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on the code. You know, it's really interesting to view this crisis um, in the context of other crises that have happened before. And certainly the crises that we're all familiar with are 9-11, the Iraq war, Afghanistan, the, the stock market crash. And going even further back, my mother was on the island of Malta in the Second World War when the Nazis and the Italians attacked. Malta, which was a stronghold of the British Empire. It was a, a naval base. It was one of the most important naval bases in the Mediterranean. And she endured 3,400 air raids. And it was the most heavily bombed place in the history of the world. Spent four years underground in shelters, endured two direct hits on their home. Their home you know, was destroyed around them twice, and they nearly died and had to be dug out. And she was this and still is, she's 90 years old today, this woman of fundamental optimism and faith. And every conversation, whenever I speak to her, and I speak to her every day, she's in San Diego with my sister. She ends every conversation the same way, which is these two words, God bless. And whether you are a person of faith or whether you are not a person of faith, I think those words are so, are so resonant that every time I speak to her, she blesses me. And every time I have this conversation with her, she brings in this sort of optimism and faith and hope. And I think we all have to just realize that this time will pass, this time will come to an end. We will get through this crisis individually as families, as a community, and ultimately as a nation. And I would like to share with, with all your listeners this little method that I've developed over the last 20 years. And I developed it as a result of surfing because surfing was my passion. And like you say, you heard me speak a number of months ago at TechServe, and I spoke about this fundamental passion that I had for surfing. But that was my passion. And all of us are different, and all of us have this one particular passion that might have been printed out on us as young people and ultimately defined the direction of our lives. And while, yes, my method that is based around surfing. It's surfing as a metaphor, surfing as a metaphor for uncertainty, as a metaphor for risk, um, as a metaphor for courage, commitment, honor, integrity. And we all have these metaphors. We all have these sorts of journeys that we've been through on our lives. So what I did many years ago was a friend of mine asked me to inspire and empower a group of young people that were coming down to the beach at this very, very famous surfing break. And he was bringing them down to the beach because this famous surfing break was facing a severe environmental challenge. And he wanted to activate the consciousness of people about this problem through the eyes of these young children that were coming to the beach. And he was inviting down some state officials, government officials that could ultimately uh, create the budget to solve this big problem, which was about a $20 million problem. It was like a, an effluent problem that was coming from the local homes. So he felt that the kids were a great way to activate the consciousness. And he said to me, Sean, I'd like you to give the kids a gift. There's 100 kids. You've got a $100 budget. I had this enormous budget of 100 bucks that you can use to empower <laughs> these kids. So 
so at the time, my wife and I had a, a successful apparel brand. We had, we had a warehouse full of the most beautiful uh, men's clothing and, and clothing for young people, surf-orientated clothing, which you've ever seen. I thought, well, maybe I'll give all the kids some clothing. And, and then I thought, I'll, I'm going to do something else. And I sat down in front of my desk and I pulled out a sheet of paper and I encourage everyone every single person that's listening to do this same wonderful exercise that was inspired by helping children. And this exercise has been done by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around the world, and it has really helped people. And in some ways, if you look at it from a, a tech concept, it's a simple way to reboot your life. It's a simple way to think about where you've been, where you are, and where you will go. And what I did is I wrote 12 lines every line beginning with, I will, and I called it a surface code. And I wrote down in a metaphoric concept and in a metaphoric way, all the principal lessons that surfing had taught me about life. I will always paddle back out. I will never turn my back on the ocean. I will know that all surfers are joined by one ocean. I will realize that there will be another wave. So these are fundamental principles of life about character and honor and integrity and courage. And I printed up a little card, plastic card at the local print shop. I even misspelled the words commitment because one of the lines was, I will take the drop with commitment. <laughs> and I printed up a hundred cards, cost me a hundred bucks. And I handed a hundred cards out to the young people that came down to the beach the following week. And the young kids loved the cards and the media loved the cards and the uh, officials and the state people and the municipal people loved the cards. And it turned into this groundswell and ultimately it helped precipitate a change and ultimately we solved the environmental problem and many, many people were responsible for it. But I like to think the surface code really precipitated that change. But this code took on life of its own and people were fascinated by the concept of a code, a code, a set of values that are really important. And yes, it was my code and I wrote it and it was 12 lines, every line beginning with our will and it was 105 words and I wrote it in, in 20 minutes. But it sort of took on a life of its own and people would phone me up and say, hey, Sean, why don't you come and talk with our group, our leadership group or our company or our church group or our, our Jewish group. So consequently, I started speaking at enormous conferences, thousands of people with very famous speakers like Richard Branson Malcolm Gladwell, and then um, at very famous companies, Google and Cisco and Disney and you know, really massive companies. And I just talked to them about a code, about simple values. And then at one of the events that I was at, speaking at a community event, I met this, uh, this fabulous guy who was a professor of French literature at Drury University in the Midwest. And he was a surfer as well. He came up to me after my talk. He said, Sean, I think this talk would make a fabulous book. And he said, well, I haven't written a book either, but I'm a professor of French literature. I know quite a bit about uh, books. And he said his wife really encouraged him to come down and, and we developed a relationship. And ultimately, I released my first book and it was called Surface Code. That's the book that you mentioned. And shortly after the book uh, was released, I was sitting out in the lineup at the place called Rincon at that same wave that precipitated the, the, this whole sort of endeavor. And a guy paddled up to me and we'd already solved the environmental problem by then. He said, Sean, I'm a headmaster at a local school in Santa Barbara. It's called Anacapa School. We have 80 students. I would love you to come and talk to my my students about the book. So I went down there and had the book with me and gave some books away to the kids for their library. And then while I was chatting to the kids, I said, you know, Surface Code was my code. I wrote it in 20 minutes and it, it was really the essence of everything that surfing had taught me about life. Not how to be the best surfer in the world or ride the biggest waves or win the biggest contest, but about the real magic of life, about the real principles of life, about character, about ethos and about telos, purpose, those two wonderful one of the Greek words, and I said, what's your code? What are you going to write? Write 12 lines in 20 minutes, just like I did, every line beginning with, I will. Find your passion, find your purpose, 
find your power and find your path. Really simple. Just write 12 lines. This will help you find, refine, and define your purpose. It's such a simple process. And about a week later, I get the codes back from the kids, 80 kids, 12 lines each, nearly a thousand lines of code. And for everyone that's listening out there who's a parent, and I'm sure most of the listeners are parents, the very first line of code back I got from a young girl, her name was Elena Alcera. She was 13 years old. I will be myself. I will be myself. You know, those words knocked me to the floor. They were so inspirational. It was like this young girl stuck a flag in the sand. That was her anthem. I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be a victim of peer pressure. I was going to be myself. And they were so resonant with me because a few months before I'd lost my beautiful son Matthew to a poor decision. Just played a dangerous game. He heard about it at school and it was a time of, of devastation for my wife and I. And those words were so resonant to me. So as soon as I saw those words, as I got so inspired, I immediately phoned up my co-author, Patrick Mose, and I said, Patrick, we're going to write another book. And we wrote our latest book. It's called The Code. And it, the book was written primarily for teenagers to encourage positive decision-making. Write your code, find your purpose, find your power, find your path. Really simple concept, but you've got to write your code, write your 12 lines. And then the book came out and the book became popular. It was number one on Amazon. I was so thrilled. And then I started to talk to kids about writing their own code. So kids around the world, I would go to schools and universities and kids would write their code. And then some kids would actually create uh, graphics built around their codes. I will dream. I will follow my own path. I will be unique. Just magnificent words of just empowerment. And they create these like mini art exhibitions. And I go to these schools and see this. And I would see not only the impact on self. These kids have now written their code. They have sort of a path forward. But I would see the impact that their words and graphics had on others. I would see the connectivity that the simple model could create amongst people. So I was starting to do a lot of corporate events at these big corporations. And what I started to do because of this, I would get teams together. I would speak for an hour and give people my perspective and give an uplifting experience. But the real power in the presentation then came with having teams write their own codes together. So you'd have 20, 50, 100. I mean, I did it with 1,500 people a few days ago on a virtual live stream and got people to write their codes together. Can you imagine the power of that, creating this positive wave around? The, the world and then sharing it. So the way people would share it in these, in these small groups is people would write their 12 lines. They would then stand up one at a time and they would share their 12 lines with each other. And the first time I did it was mind-blowing. People would stand up and cry. I'm talking big burly guys wearing Carhartt jackets that looked like they could tear a telephone book in half. They would stand up, they would read their codes to their peers and they would cry. I mean, it was so transformational and the process was so transformational of connecting people together in a deeply emotional way because people realize that while every code is different and everyone says something, our values together as, as human beings, as a collective and a company or in a community group are the same. And everyone writes 12 lines that are different, but everyone only writes two lines. And I am so honored that I have been in such a unique world that I have seen and looked into people's souls through the code method. I've seen what is important to people. I've seen where they are, and I've seen the commitment that they have made to where they want to be. And people make only two commitments. People want to be better, number one. People want to be better than they are right now. We all have this 
fundamental drive to be better, to be the best we can be. And number two, people want to help others be better. That's it. That is life. That is our life. I like to say that I've got the best job in the world because when I hear people read their code and I hear how it's inspiring themselves to read it and it's inspiring their team member or their community or their family, it's so brilliant. So I encourage everyone that's listening tonight around the dinner table, it takes 20 minutes. All of you sit together, pull out a sheet of paper and go, okay, what are we going to do right now? Is we're going to write our code, 12 lines, every line beginning with our will. So you've, that was sort of a long answer to your question, but that's, uh, that's my mission and that's my purpose, to get people to activate their codes and help others and help themselves. Sean, I absolutely love that, and I, I'm a firm believer. I really do believe that there's so much that can be done by generating that positive energy. You also speak in your talks and in your books about how surfing is an opportunity to go below the surface. That's a great metaphor for surfing because there is a ton going on below the surface out on the water, and that's where we are today, too, right? On the surface, there's not a lot that we can do because we need to stay home. We have to help limit the spread of COVID-19. We have to wait for the waves to start again, if I can borrow a surfing metaphor. What is your <laughs> advice great, for people? That's a great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your advice for people who feel limited in what they can do right now? How do they break past the surface level to do something meaningful or valuable with their time now? Well, you know, I think this is really a, a tragic time. I mean, there's 2 million cases around the world. I think the, the, the latest statistic is about 135,000 deaths. I mean, it's, it's so chilling. But for all of us, I think we need to look uh, towards the light and not just turn on the TV and see the darkness. This is a time for us to reevaluate our family relationships and to really look beneath the surface and reevaluate where we're going to go and where we want to be. Because when we come through this, we are going to live in a, a changed world. Our world will be fundamentally different and it will be changed forever. There's a wonderful line that someone wrote the other day in connection with a letting go of the past and looking forward into the future. I asked this question in a live stream I did the other day for about 1,500 people. And I did like a word cloud. I said, in a single word, what are you feeling right now during COVID-19? They said, this is people from around the world. So these were the most important words. The single biggest word, so that means the most responses, people have said that this crisis has made me feel enlightened. Yes, the next two are stressed, anxious, and challenged. Then day before yesterday, I did another two live streams for the hottest biotech company in the world right now. The number one word by their teams, hopeful. Mm. The second one was anxious. So you're talking enlightened from one team of about 1,500, and then you're talking hopeful from another team. So even in the face of crisis, people are still feeling time will pass and it will be a new world and people are hopeful. The human spirit is so strong and the human spirit is so powerful. You want to look below the surface. You want to find power, warmth and connectivity. Just bust out that sheet of paper with your, with your family, with the people that you love most in the world and together you write your 12 lines and share them and then put them up in the fridge or keep them. It's such a simple method. It's open source code and I'm, I'm just hoping people can use it because it can give you hope. It can give you optimism. It can make you able to deal with this 
tough, tough circumstances that we're all living in at the moment. Right, and so important right now, especially because you're you know you're locked up with these people <laughs> right now. So <laughs> it, it would be a good thing to do. <laughs> so, Sean, you recently uh, live streamed an online workshop that you mentioned before for business leaders looking to inspire and engage remote teams in this new era of social distancing. I was hoping you might be willing to share some of the ideas for the business leaders and managers in the audience. What are some of the best practices those of us who lead can do to help our teams better connect and work? I have found that there's three things that I do, and and I can really only speak from my experience, and I believe that this simple concept, any leader can use this same process to more effectively engage their teams. So I think you have to offer some authentic stories to inspire and uplift. The stories have to be authentic and they have to be authentic to your context. You can't go and like do something that Simon Sinek has said with the why or some of that old stuff that every, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be authentically you. And every single leader has been through the hero's journey and has amazing stories. So just write down two or three stories. So you're going to tell these stories to inspire your team. And these stories are going to connect your team to you in an authentic way and connect your team to one another. So the storytelling is super important. And it's so easy to do it virtually now. You know, just go to your PowerPoint or whichever model you use and just create a story with some imagery and some video. It's, it's pretty cool. For 20 minutes, you can tell and you can make a much greater impact than someone else's TED Talk. And the stories are there not for I'm the leader, look up at me. It's I'm the leader, and this is what I've learned through my struggles. And I'm hoping that my perspective, not my prescription, is going to inspire you too. I have found that people hate prescriptions. Prescriptions are given out by docs when people are sick. People have a, just a perspective. And, and then I think leaders need to give a hard tool, whatever that tool may be, something that someone can go and do that is going to lead to a result. Like I say, my codes, open source code, you can use my code with pleasure, or maybe you can develop another tool that your teams can use to connect together and to commit to change to commit to, to something uh, uh, positive. My next question is, I know connecting with and supporting young people is a big part of what you do and who you are. Do you have any advice to parents who are worried about how the lack of social connection or social distancing might affect their children? Yeah, that's really a, a worry. And it's so interesting to see how my 10-year-old son, Luke, deals with this and how he craves this a social connection, you know, he can sit on the phone for 45 minutes with his buddy and they'll watch TV together or they'll watch a, a show or play a game together. And it's really fascinating to see how kids are using tech to stay socially connected. And when I watch him do his schoolwork as well, when you'll have his whole class on a Zoom call and they're interacting and they're speaking to one another. It's so, it's sort of so wonderful to see that. They don't have the physicality, but they still have that connection. So I, I would encourage people, and I'm sure a lot of the 
if I must call it, you know, super duper tech dialed, is to use that tech in a positive way. But tech can also be a barrier. And certainly tech can be the barrier between that deep emotional connection uh, that we all have with one another. And one of the things that I told you that we've been doing is we've been doing these you know, board games at, at night, which has been, been really cool. And the whole storytelling and reading stories is still such a wonderful thing. And I would encourage parents, and I know now, you know, like parents are working, kids are working, we're all working together in this one sort of grouping. And sometimes you just, wow, I'm so tired, you know, I just want to have my own little space. But I think we have to be mindful that this is like, it's never going to happen like this again in our lives. So let's kind of appreciate this connectivity and do what we can in order to make it better. And I think it certainly has made our boy, you know, more appreciative of like, boom, he wakes up in the morning and now like I see him, he's making his bed without being asked. I'm going, well, that's pretty cool. I see him washing dishes the other night. He's never, ever done that before. I'm going, whoa, this is pretty amazing. (laughs) He's come to this realization that, wow, we are all in this together. And as a dad, to be there during the workday and it's like, hey, dada, you want to come outside and play hide and seek? And I'm thinking, I've got this work to be done. I'm working on this new live stream. I put it down and go, yes. Let's do it. And I go and play hide and seek and throw the frisbee in there. And it's like so liberating and it's so inspiring to make me realize that our fundamental mission in life, yes, we want to support our family. We want to do well economically, but it's to love and be loved and maintain that connection with our families. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's definitely I, it strengthened the family nucleus, which is amazing considering what's going on. But it really has kind of brought, I think, a tighter weave within the fabric of a family. So, Sean, I have to ask, what lessons from your career in surfing do you think apply to the challenge the world is facing now? You know, I wrote my little surface code so many years ago, and when all of you, and you can go just go onto the web and you go to my website, whatever, and you, you, you look up surface code and you can see the 12 lines that I've written, and, and so many other people have written their own code. Some people have written the skier's code in metaphor, or the musician wrote the musician's code. And you, you know, you can write your own code, and, and you can write it in so many different ways using so many different metaphors. But what I wrote so long ago is still very relevant to me, and I'm hoping that when all of you write your code, you're going to spend 20 minutes of your valuable time writing this, is keep your code. You know, keep it in the drawer, put it up in the fridge, whatever. Keep the 12 lines that you're going to write and keep the 12 lines that your family is going to write because it's really important and it can be very resonant and helpful for you throughout your life. So I wrote my code, it was most probably 20 years ago, and here are some lines that I think can really help us in the context of what we're all facing today. One of them is in regards to the new world that we will be living in because this tragedy will pass and we will be living in a new world. And the one line I wrote in, it was about surfing the most dangerous wave in the world and how to come to terms with actually finding the courage to take the drop because of this particular wave, if you didn't make the drop and take off properly, the chances of getting smashed into the coral and possibly dying were pretty good. So the words were, I will take the drop with commitment. So when people are visualizing what's going to happen next and what are you going to do next, you get to better be taking that drop. You better be taking that wave with absolute commitment. So that's number one, is look to the future with absolute commitment. The second one was, I will always back up. So this was in reference to a terrible wipeout I had when I was a teenager during the finals of one of the biggest surfing competitions in the world at the biggest wave in the world, a place called Waimea Bay, Mount Everest. I just took this absolutely 
terrifying wipeout. I thought I was going to drown. And eventually I got to the surface and clambered up on my board near the shore. The board had been washed in and it was a harrowing experience. I mean, it was real life and death experience. And I, the board was floating by the shore and I clambered up on my board and I had to make the fundamental decision. And it's going to be the same decision that every single person here is listening today is going to make, but in a different context. So what, what are you going to do? When you've been busted and beaten and broken, what you're going to do? You're going to paddle in, you're going to paddle back out. And after this harrowing experience, I knew in my mind I had to paddle back out. And I swung my board around and I started paddling back out. And my heart was pounding and I was terrified. But I found that with each stroke I took, I felt the courage and power return back into my body. And I came to realize that courage in relation to fear is not about introspection. Courage is simply about action. All courage is, is taking one stroke and then another stroke and then another stroke. And then I got back out the back into the maelstrom, into this place where these huge waves were breaking. And I also realized, and this I realized in retrospect, that only by paddling back out could I find the next wave. And a couple of weeks later, I won one of the world's biggest surfing competitions. So I proved to myself that there's a, a relationship between fear and whether you want to call it tragedy or whether you want to call it just a harrowing experience and courage and hope and a knowledge that only by putting one arm over the other, one foot ahead of us, can we really go out and, and find that next wave. And then the last the last line from Service Code that I'd like to share with you that I think is very pertinent to this COVID-19 pandemic is, I will realize that all surfers are joined by one ocean. And that is just the simple metaphor or the connectivity of all of us in the world today. And that from a negative perspective, that what happens in China is going to happen in New York City, is going to happen in Minneapolis, is going to happen in Santa Barbara, is going to happen in Chicago. So we are connected negatively, but we also connected positively. And the positivity that people are exhibiting and the goodness all around the world is just indicative of the wonderful human spirit, whether you're from China, whether you're from France, whether you're from Spain, whether you're from Portugal, whether you're from the United States, that there is a goodness out there and we are all connected together on the sea of goodness. Sean, uh, that is wonderful. I have to say, this has been really inspiring and wonderful to talk with you. It's not our usual Tech Talk chatter, but I think it's been important to take a pause and spend this time with you. I would like to end with one final question. Sean, when things get back to a new normal, one that is closer to the world we once knew, what are you most looking forward to doing? <laughs> well, there's two things. I'm looking forward to, to going out and inspiring people, and I am so looking forward to going out and catching that next wave. <laughs> ah, Metaphorically that's great. That's and literally. <laughs> exactly. So, Sean, I have to say thank you, but I would love, I know the audience is going to have questions or would like to reach out to you. What contact information can you share? Oh, you can just go to my, my website, seanthompson.com. You can find me uh, on LinkedIn. If you had any comments about the interview, did it help you? Did it not help you? Do you have any ideas for, uh, for me? That would be great. And it's been such a pleasure. And a thanks for the opportunity to speak to your constituency. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk the Tech Talk. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with Walk the Tech Talk, please subscribe by heading over to your iTunes app. While you're there, please rate the podcast and let us know what you like the most about it in the review section. Thank you and happy listening.